Hi, I'm Biz. I'm a working parent with a kid and a teen. It's been 10 years since the show began, and a lot has changed on the show and in the world. But by elevating the voices of others, we have learned we are not alone, and we are doing a good job. This is still a show about life after giving life. This is One Bad Mother. This week on One Bad Mother, the puppetry of parenting, I talk with puppeteer David Bizarro about new babies and representation in the felt. Plus, Biz masks her fears. Woo! This is a check-in. I forgot to woo. I'm sorry. So I guess that's surprisingly the only terrible part <laughs> about this morning. Oh! I narrowly avoided a series of unfortunate events that looks like just, you know, every day getting stuff done that to non-parents would be easy, but to parents is almost impossible. So mm-hmm. two kids, four months old, three years old. Four months old has his four-month well visit today, and the three-year-old was due for her third COVID shot, and I got them to do the appointment at the same time, but the appointment oh. wasn't until 10. And so... My rock star idea was we went, this is going to sound batshit insane, but we went to the dentist. I know, because the dentist has a waiting area with an entire, like, play area and a slide, and I (laughs) pay too much to use this dentist, but they flat out said, come even when you don't have an appointment so your kids get comfortable here. And you know what? He was. We went and we played for 20 minutes on the slide and they were showing a Disney movie in the theater and she loved that and then they free coffee which again because I'm paying too much in a copay like it's probably not actually free but you know today it felt like free coffee and the four month old was fine while the three year old ran around and then without seeing the dentist we left and we went to the doctor's appointment and baby boy was fine and toddler girl was fine and Everybody got pinch medicine today, and, of course, baby boy screamed, and and the girl took it upon herself to make him feel better. She just started singing to him like, you're precious. And then she got her COVID shot, and the nurse who did it, also, bless nurses. Bless you, nurses. I wish I could give you the sun and the moon and everything you need, but as a teacher, I understand that, like, you know, none of us are paid what we're supposed to be. That's another conversation. But she did that COVID shot so fast. My daughter did not even have time to register it, and she was fine. She cried because the baby was crying. I don't even think she felt it. And then I took her to school, and I got her there just in time for lunch. And now the baby and I are going home, and he's going to have his bottle. And the point is... Everybody did what they were supposed to do today. There were no potty accidents. There was one spit up. And you know what? Maybe I'm counting my chickens before they hatch because I'm not in my driveway yet. But I feel like a genius that all of this worked out. And I'm just hoping to goodness that, like, there's not another shoe that's going to drop. No more shoes. How many ridiculous idioms can I fit into one phone call? I don't know. So... Thank you, everyone, for giving a crap about normal, everyday life that feels like a giant All doing a great job. And today, so am I. Go back later this week with a giant fail that I didn't see coming. So uh, thank you for your patience. Okay, bye. Oh my gosh, you're doing such a good job. In my opinion, maybe this is why none of us should wear shoes. Because then they could never drop, right? This is a masterful morning. Okay, just that you were going to be doing all these appointments and getting them at the same time, that was, I was all ready to be like, good job. You're doing a good job. I see you. But then, then you busted out with using your dentist's dentist office for a reason other than going to the dentist. And that was the most amazing thing I have ever heard. And you're right. It makes sense. They want your kids to get used to being at the dentist. They want your kids to be comfortable there. Way to take advantage of that or twist the old narrative to your advantage. Because, I mean, who's taking their kid just to the dentist just to get comfortable, right? But in this situation, it is a perfect 
out. It is a perfect use of space. And you are right. You got your money's worth. And that was 100% worth it. You did an amazing job getting your kids in for all the things they needed to have done. And you're right. It is a minor miracle when it all just happens without challenges. It makes you feel like, like, are you on a hidden camera show? Is there something like, is it like your birthday, but you didn't know it was your birthday, but it's like a different type of birthday. It's like the type of day where, you know, the universe just works in your favor, right? You feel like I should go do something else just to keep seeing how well this day could go. Those days can be few and far between. And I am just so glad you shared it. I am so glad you see it and appreciate it. And you're just doing an amazing job. Well, now, how am I? Well, I'll tell you. I'm actually, I'm pretty tired. <laughs> I'm a little tired. And I'm a little funky. I'm not going to lie. This is not a show about lying. That shoved aside, as one does uh, with uh, children in their house, it is almost Halloween. And I, of course, like to work on the Halloween school event. And this year, it is themed around an enchanted forest for not-so-scary experiences. It will be a beautiful, magical enchanted forest. (laughs) And if you are brave enough to enter the forest, Forest of Doom. I Now that I think about it, I might be manifesting Teresa and my forest experience. I, it might be. If you, you can begin in Teresa's forest and then slowly move in to the dark, dark, dark forest. So I have been trying to create paper mache masks, guys. I haven't used paper mache in a long time. I did like old school flour and water, right? Just like, I'm going to make a paste. And then I a newspaper and all the stuff. I was like, I want to make masks that look like you're blending into a tree, right? So you can like step out and be like, ha ha, you didn't turn a corner. <laughs> then you fade back in. Ha ha, your child's going through sleep regression. <laughs> you know, a horror forest. So I I did. I made some paper mache tree limbs and I made these like four paper mache masks and what's like just over the eyes, you know, like an eye kind of mask. You know, the thing about paper mache masks is that it's a great project if you're not skilled in using paper mache, if you want to create horrifying masks because, you know, as the... <laughs> They're a little lumpy. They're a little bumpy. They get a little everywhere. Uh, But it was really fun. It was like a fun, messy experience. And I've learned to just say, sure, you can to my kids when they say they want to try it. Because now I've learned they will do like one thing and then they'll be like, I'm good. And then they're gone. And then I'm like left alone to make paper mache things. So it was fun. I enjoyed making them. Later today, I'm going to decorate them to look horrifying. And yeah, it just was like fun. It was like a different way to create an experience for all these kids that are going to be coming to the haunted house. And to be honest, I think that ties in quite nicely about creating experiences in unique ways for audiences. Because we're going to talk with David Bizarro, who is a first-generation Latinx actor and an Emmy Award-winning puppeteer about new babies and the importance of representation in the felt. Please take a moment to remember, if you're friends of the hosts of One Bad Mother, you should assume that when we talk about other moms, we're talking about you. If you are married to the host of One Bad Mother, we definitely are talking about you. Nothing we say constitutes professional parenting advice. Ms. and Teresa's children are brilliant, lovely, and exceedingly extraordinary. Nothing said on this podcast about them implies otherwise. Everybody, I am very excited to be welcoming David Bizarro, who is a first-generation American Latinx actor and an Emmy Award-winning puppeteer. He has worked with culture-defining companies such as The Muppets, Sesame Street, The Jim Henson Company, Sci-Fi, and of all the culture-defining companies, 
the flaming lips. Welcome, David. <laughs> Thank you so much for having me. This is really exciting. I love your podcast. It's wonderful. Well, I'm very excited. And I there's so many things floating around behind you that I want to ask about yeah. behind you in the picture. But I'm going to start with who lives in your house? Okay, great question. In my home, uh, it's me, of course, yes. my amazing, smarter than me wife, mm -hmm. and my son, Benny, who is five months I think yesterday, <laughs> the sleep deprivation could be wrong. He could yeah. have turned five months a week ago. And two cats. We've got a couple of ragdoll cats that we adopted during a winter storm. Uh, <laughs> okay. During the winter storm, yes. you didn't just wander out into the blizzard to the shelter, did you? Or was this more of a cuter story of like, ding dong, and there's like a basket. Will you please take care of my ragdoll cats? I, I wish that it was the cute version. Yeah. I, you know, when it snows, the pressure changes, and I just started wandering out into the street. Sure. Next thing I knew, I was in a PetSmart, <laughs> and there were really cute cats in front of me. When I came to, I was already home, and yeah. I was missing, like, my right pinky toe, and I had sure. two cats. Yeah, so, and, and a five-month-old. And a, <laughs> That's the craziest thing, is I left is. on a Monday, I showed up yeah. on a Tuesday, and I had a five-month-old. It's crazy. When they say time flies, buddy. Yeah. They are being very honest. Well, let me ask, in all honesty, sure. five-month-old in the house, how are you? Uh, thank you for asking. I'm doing pretty good. I think I'm doing better. <sighs> this is our first kid, and so it's, yeah. it's, it's hard to, like, compare it, mm. you know, or contrast it to something. I feel pretty good. He's starting to teethe, and so he doesn't – I would go into the weeds <laughs> explaining, like, his sleep schedule and all that. Oh, but this is the show, my friend. Yes. <laughs> so, like, he's – my wife and I do do shifts yeah. where she does the first shift. I do the second shift of the night. He usually wakes up around 3 a.m., which is when I take over, and he is teething now, and so he's kind of uncomfortable which we've we've learned the best way to kind of like chill him out is for me to feed him and then bring him into bed and he just sleeps next to me. Sure. And you know that co-sleeping is a little looked down upon by some folks and there are some dangers about it, sure. Sure. If you roll around in your bed a lot, don't put your baby in there. But if, <laughs> if you, you don't sleep in a nightgown of knives, if don't you, do yeah. that. Right. Yeah. If you often find yourself bringing your grenades to, with you yeah. to bed, maybe don't also bring the baby. Yeah. No. Maybe don't. We are, we are big believers in how do we get sleep? And if a baby is in your bed sometimes to get sleep, if a baby is in a car seat at the foot of your bed and you have one foot out of the bed rocking while you sleep, yeah. then you have made the right choice for your family. We are big believers of that here. So let me tell you. I love that. Good job if that's getting you some kind of sleep. Thank you. Yeah, it's been touch and go. It was crazy. When he was just born, we were losing our minds. Oh, yeah. And he was sleeping erratically. We weren't quite <laughs> sure what to do. And then out of nowhere, when he was three months old, Every night, he would sleep 11 to 14 hours for Good two weeks. God! Two oh, did you do weeks. this? Wait, here you go. Here's the question. Did you say this? We turned a corner. <laughs> <laughs> we did. We felt so proud. Yeah, we were like, I went Whoa! to a pool party with yeah. the kid and like people, I saw other parents and they were like <laughs> looking just horrible and like the dad clearly yeah. was just like mad at everything. Yeah, and yeah. <laughs> I, they looked at us and they're like, oh, they got two kids, one kid's, you know, like yeah. burning matches and That's other right. children. Yeah, the other one's like, chewing through the wall, right? Yeah. And they, the dad was like, how are you guys sleeping? And I was like, oh, we're doing so good. Like <laughs> he's sleeping 11 to 14 hours. Can you buy? <laughs> and they, of course, wanted us to die immediately. <laughs> to die right then. Yeah. They're probably outside your window at night. <laughs> with like a pot and a pan and they're like i'll show you 11 to 14 hours clank, yeah. Clank, clank, clank. yeah yeah there's a frequency that only babies hear yeah. and they're outside with that whistle yeah. every night at 3 a.m now <laughs> i tell you that my husband and i still make the jokes about i mean our kids are 13 and not eight god i really want to make ellis nine but they're not. <laughs> you can't it, do that. I can't do that yet no it's so close yeah and we are always like, oh, I think we've really turned a corner when it comes to 
X or Y. <laughs> and like every time it is just like the smack in the face, right? Like, oh no, something is waiting behind that corner. Yeah. And it, yeah. it's either the same problem, worse, it's a new problem, or it's just a false sense of security. Right? Like right. those are the things, that's the monster that lurks under the bed is the false sense of security monster. <laughs> yeah. When when I was learning about when you prep to have a kid, maybe oh, yeah. not everyone does this, but you learn about brain development and oh, each yeah. of the stages of the mental development. Oh, and sure. when uh when I was learning, I learned that the human brain stops developing at age twenty five. Uh-huh. I thought it was something like eighteen or something like that, you know, because <laughs> yeah. that's the law, the law is you can smoke when you're 18, <laughs> yes. so therefore your brain is done, you know, growing. But turns out it's 25. And so I was thinking, I thought to myself, that's why we never leave our parents until like around that age. Because our brain is still just like can't quite solidify can't anything. Do it. That's right. That's right. Yeah. That's why they need to extend insurance until 25 for sure. <laughs> they do. I know. Well, you guys are doing it. sounds like you guys are doing a good job. Because Thank you very much. There's both magic. And mm-hmm. nothing fun about babies. So just, I remember we had friends who had a baby maybe like nine months or like a year before we had our first. And they came over and they said, like, Raiden's like an infant. And they're like, yeah, that is the most boring phase. They're like, they, they, that, <laughs> that's not doing anything. And I was like, you are correct. This baby isn't doing, I need a baby to do something. But to somebody else, I'm like, you know, with Teresa, who used to be the co-host on the show, she loved infants. She loved yeah. them. I was not a fan oh. as much. So that is to say, you get to like it and you don't. You know, some infants are just dumb. Yeah, Let's all be true. honest. You know, uh, we we kind of like, I do think that we lucked out with our kid. He's pretty chill for the most part. Yeah, and nice. he came out smiling. And oh. he hasn't stopped smiling. Like, oh. he's just a happy kid. Uh, I'm That might change when he's a teenager. I'm so glad I'm going to come outside your window and blow that whistle. Yeah. That only babies it, can hear. I'm so glad for you. <laughs> <laughs> you know, he still does all the things that babies do that drive you nuts. And <laughs> I was telling someone this morning, you know, that when I'm holding him and he's making me really mad and I'm frustrated, you exist in this weird yeah. parallel space of – True, full-on anger and frustration and yes. true, full-on love and joy. Yeah. It's not a ba- like a balance Mm-mm. of both. It's both of them at the same time. Oh, yeah. And it's crazy. It's a frighteningly dark place to be in. Yeah. It is a weird place. And I, I don't think we talk about it honestly enough, right? Because it's the fear of doing anything different or having any other feeling that's different from another parent is like danger zone. It's all those things all at once. And I'm actually going to use this as a segue. Cool. Uh, everybody loves my really great segues. I also like that I said everybody loves them. I feel like them. I'm experiencing exactly what people are saying about, I don't know what they say. I know. But yeah, I well, feel like I know. Here's the thing. Right now already. I don't know what they say either. <laughs> but when I look at myself in the mirror every day, I say, Elizabeth, Biz. You do great segues. Okay. You are a puppeteer. I am. Among other things. Uh-huh. So I'm just going to ask, I, you know, we could start with the whole, how did you get into this? And eventually we'll ask that question. But I, sure. I guess I really want to know, how helpful do you think puppeteering will be to you as a parent? <laughs> it's actually been pretty helpful. Oh, I bet. Uh, it's been super helpful. So... With puppetry, there's a lot of different styles of puppetry, yeah. and the type that I do is specific. It's 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 called Muppet style puppetry because it's meant for television, and it's the style that Jim Henson had created. And we often find ourselves tucked under tables, or someone gets an actual chair and hollows it out, and you yeah. go inside of it. No matter how big you are, right. you got to figure out how to get in there. <laughs> And then put your arms straight up. And then they're like, okay, cool. You've done that. Now we need you to do acting with the puppet for, I don't know, eight hours. (laughs) We'll see you in eight hours. And because of that, you know, I I exercise not as much as I used to because I have a kid now. (laughs) But I try to exercise in a way that prepares me for anything. And that's being limber but also being really strong. And so with the kid – 
I find myself, you find yourself sitting in weird positions on the yeah. couch because they fell asleep funny or <laughs> like you're trying to feed them and they, you know, want to sit like a crazy person. And so the training into like being in an awkward position has helped my body. Now, I will say I'm still sore. My lower back hurts. <laughs> My mid back hurts now yeah. for some reason. I don't know why. Yeah, sure. I think he comes out in the middle of the night and just hits me in the back with a hammer. <laughs> I swear, kids can walk at, at like three months and I they don't tell you. you. They're I believe pulling you. tricks on you through the night. Oh, yeah. So, yeah, I think it prepared me in that way, but also to be ready to be limber. That's what I'm trying to say to yeah. in, in mentally. Because when you work on a set, you already have to be pretty limber, but then adding puppetry on top of that. You can't just go stand on your mark. You got to go, okay, how do I get into position so that my character can be on their mark? Right. Yeah. So puppetry's helped me just like be limber mentally and physically. That's oh, that is a good answer. Thank you. That was a really good answer. Well, let's talk about how you got into puppetry. I mean, how did that start? Was it one of these classic stories of, you know, kid sees somebody doing it and like, I want to do that or like magic dream. No. Somebody it, left it, a puppet on your front doorstep in a basket. It all started with this uh, puppet that could was possessed by the yeah. spirit of an old man that was left on my doorstep. Yeah, perfect. Uh, in a during winter the middle storm. Of a winter storm. Yeah, yeah. Good. Mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Good. It was terrifying. Yeah. Uh, and now I owe I owe him my firstborn child. Oh, I forgot oh, about that. Man. Oh man, no. they don't want it. They do not want that firstborn child during the first five months. That's uh, when they are the most difficult. They want Do that kid count? when that oh, these, kid's a teen. They specify born. I can't qualify oh. my cats. Dang it. Oh, sorry. Uh, yeah. No, so my uh, puppetry journey started with a lie, <laughs> actually. Oh, good. That's better. Yeah. So I have not always been interested in puppetry. I started as a young person wanting to be an actor, and I was doing, you know, acting in school, like doing plays in, in theater and whatnot. And trying to be an actor outside of that. And as a Latino person that doesn't totally look like what you think a Latino person looks like, but also looks like something ethnic, it became <laughs> difficult to, to like get hired for stuff because I, right. I didn't fall on one side of the spectrum. You know, I, 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 they couldn't put me in a box. Right. So I got really discouraged, but I still love TV and film. And I got into production. At 16, I started working as a camera operator. I learned how to edit. And that's how I found my way to working with the Flaming Lips. I was doing backing videos, music videos. I was going on the road with them, doing documentaries, making toys. I was doing all kinds of crazy stuff. Yeah. And it wasn't until I was, I just stopped working for them and was trying to figure out what my next step was that I pitched randomly to a client. I said, uh, hey, there's, there's this rad video with puppets in it. You need commercials like this. And they wrote back, oh, my God, this is brilliant. Can can you do that? And I was yes. like, of course, of course I can. Yes. Just I'm the puppet man. Yeah. And so they uh, hired me, <laughs> just not even looking at like yeah, a, no. a portfolio or no. anything. There's like, he says he can do it. It's in an email. I mean, <laughs> might as well believe him. So I had to learn how to build puppets, write pup for puppets, direct puppets, perform puppets yeah. in a week. And I did it. <laughs> I, every day, every night was just working on making puppets and figuring out how to perform them just by watching puppets on TV. And when I look back at that spot and I made that spot about 10 years ago, it, I can tell that I don't know what I'm doing. Like with all my experience now, I'm like, what was I thinking? (laughs) But because of that, I discovered puppetry and I found it to be really rewarding for me as a performer and as an artist. So I also do a lot of random different types of art. Yeah, that led me to get going to New York. My wife was moving to New York at the time. We were just dating. And I was like, I want to go somewhere. Don't know where. <laughs> and we moved to New York. And I got connected with the larger puppetry community, which oh, yeah. is massive in New York. Yeah, there no, it is. It's huge. amazing. Yeah. It's really incredible there. And that got me toward, I just, you know, Worked really hard, networked like you do, and started working for uh, the Jim Henson Company, which led me to working on set. And that really drove me more to think, like, I really want to be a performer. Like, my heart is in performing. And I used the ability to be on set as what's called a puppet wrangler, which is someone who puts costumes on puppets and fixes puppets on the fly really quickly. I used (laughs) that to be able to just sit and watch them perform and to see what they're doing. 
And as time went on, I just got better. And I started getting invited to do smaller shoots. And now I'm finding myself getting hired on really crazy jobs like Waffles and Mochi. Well, okay. Now let's shift to Waffles and Mochi, which is one of the sweetest and funny shows. It's on Netflix now, and there's going to be there's going to be a new release with a new season. Yeah, it's called Waffles and Mochi's Restaurant. Yes, Waffles yeah. and Mochi, because Waffles always wanted to be a chef. She did, yeah. I know, and so you are Mochi. I play Mochi. Is a little tiny Mochi. He's he's like he's not even bigger than my fist. No, like he's not. a little tiny literal piece of mochi. He's hilarious. Yes, he is adorable. And you get to work on the show with Michelle Obama. Uh-huh. Which is absolute I just see Michelle Obama and I start crying. I'm just like <laughs> Yeah. What is it like working on that show? What have you enjoyed? Yeah. So I wasn't on season one. At the time, yeah. they were only shooting in L.A., but I got brought into season two, which is this Waffles and Mochi's restaurant. Yes. And it's such a sweet, I, I don't want to say reimagining. It's it's like this interesting progression because in season one, they start off just working in a grocery store. Yeah. At, you know, Mrs. O's grocery shop. And they've now moved on to having their own restaurant that is literally down the street in this universe from uh, Mrs. O's grocery store. And so (laughs) Michelle comes in every morning and she brings fresh produce, you know, because she's the person bringing the fresh foods to the restaurant. And when she walks in, everyone's like, hey, yo, Mrs. O is what they say. (laughs) And she checks in on what we're doing. And there's always some sort of dilemma, you know, that we're trying to solve. And it involves food. (laughs) And... She helps us kind of figure out not how to fix the problem, but where we could go to maybe try and figure it out. And that leads us to traveling to places like my favorite was going to uh, Teotihuacan, which is the pyramids out in Mexico. And it was nuts. I was out there with Rick Martinez. Do you you know who Rick Martinez is from Bon Appetit? From Bon Appetit. Yeah. Yeah. I didn't know he was going to be there. And (laughs) like they didn't tell us who the guests were until like we got to set that day, you know? Really? Yeah. And I get there and I'm like, oh, so who's like the guest host today? And they're like, oh, it's Rick Martinez. I went, (gasps) (laughs) I love his work. And so I got to hang out with him at Teotihuacan. As a tiny mochi. Yeah. And I I was standing there (laughs) holding the mochi and we were both like just kind of like marveling where we were and what we were doing. And I said, you know, Rick, our ancestors built these and now here we are. Thousand, like hundreds of years later, yeah. making a kid show, and I shake a ball on a stick at you. Yeah. Like, what do you think they would think about this? Like, this is such a weird <laughs> step. Like, what? <laughs> right. This is so strange. But it was pure magic. Okay. Is it of value to you? Are you at a place where the experience of being a Latinx performer in the world of puppetry, what? What is I it's can literally question. not yes, think of words. I'm like, what is that like? <laughs> yeah. Hey, uh, hey, you're brown. What's that like? Hey, what's that like? What's no, it like I when hear you do you. that? It's, yeah. It's a it's a I'm still trying to figure it out, you know? Yeah. I, it, it's hard. It's 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 interesting because I, of course, am a believer in representation, you know, yeah. and that goes in front of the camera. That's also behind the camera. And with puppeteers, we're below the frame. And so I think it's important below the frame as well. Yeah. Like, just recently, we had the first Korean character on Sesame Street. And now we have the first black female puppeteer, Megan Pythas. Yeah. And she's there. Both of those puppeteers are amazing. They're really lovely people. Is there something about like puppeteers that are just your all delights. Because like <laughs> I've heard the interviews with them as well. And they're like, hi. And I'm like, right. oh my God, right. everybody's so nice. Um, yeah, we all just want to play. You know, know, like we just want to have fun. And that's I, that's my favorite thing about working with other puppeteers is that for the most part, we just want to play. And we're not really interested in the drama uh and when we're on set, the only drama that happens is the director is trying to tell us to stop playing and and say the words on the page, you know, <laughs> and it's difficult, you know, because we just want to have fun with each other. Yeah, but I think there's some significance, though, to the fact that with puppetry, 
I mean, that was the magical, beautiful thing about Jim Henson and the work mm-hmm. that Jim Henson did. I mean, not only did he put diversity in the shows with kids and performers and, you know, an actress, but a monster is it's just a monster. Again, as a someone representing a, the Latinx community mm-hmm. in puppetry, how do you feel that's something y- you achieve when no one can hear you scream? That? <laughs> yeah. So uh, coming from the background and culture that I come from, the... <sighs> The thing with puppetry or with TV puppetry is that the representation hasn't always been there. Right. And it's mostly just been and I've I've been changing my vernacular from saying white folk to saying European Americans because that's <laughs> it feels nicer for some reason, you know, <laughs> so I feel like now it really when you say classes up the colonizers. Anyway. It does because like I feel like when you say white folk, you're like already you're mad about something, you know, uh, it's like, man. man, this like these white people keep calling me like calling the cops on my barbecue. What's going on? Right. You know, but when I say European American, I'm talking about people I care about. Uh, but when so with uh, with puppetry, you know, it yeah. was it was a small group of guys that were all the main puppeteers. And when they would perform characters of other cultures, they didn't understand that culture right to themselves personally. And so there were situations where they were just performing stereotypes. Oh, yeah. And that has to do with the time, of course, but it also has to do with just the education not being there. They weren't around those cultures except for what they might see within the zeitgeist, which was television and movies and radio, which were all really superficial stereotypes. Yeah. And because of that, folks like me and others had a hard time looking past that. And yeah. not that we were like, this is wrong and bad. It was more just like, uh, not for me. Great. I'm going to go watch Monty Python and Kids in the Hall. Peace right. out. Right. Yeah, and right. And so I, that's, I think, part of why I never got into puppetry because I just didn't I – did, I wasn't inspired to be a part of that world because I didn't see myself being reflected in that. Right. It's an interesting thing to talk about, I think, because we're still trying to figure out what the right words to say are and what the right actions are. But – there's a lot with representation, and I'm not saying the magic bullet is just put some people of color in there and then kids right. will just be inspired. There's more to it than that. You have to involve the person that's performing, involve their their culture in the character they're performing if that's why you've hired them. The Korean character is a really great example because they had Kathy Kim, who plays the character, they had her giving her input into how something might mm-hmm. be said. Even on the day when they were shooting the first special with her, there were some Asian-American actors that were like, you know what? This is not something that I would do. We should change this. And that didn't always happen in the past. You know, I've played Latino characters where they come up to me and they're like, I have like someone who does not come from the culture saying, "Um, so your accent isn't quite right. And it's like, what do you even know about that? (laughs) And that's not uncommon. Like that experience I had is not an uncommon thing for performers. Yeah. Yeah. So that's where I think that having that representation below the frame is important. It's not just so that kids can see it. It's so that that, those experiences come through. Frank Oz, one -hmm. of the things he talks about is how Miss Piggy, even though he's not a woman, she has a very masculine sense about her. Yes. And her story, her backstory is really dark. Like he told it once at a talk that I went to, and it's really dark. And that's where her darkness comes from. And she is a pig. So when you think of the stereotype of a pig, they roll in the mud. They're kind of yeah. dirty and they – you can't really tell which one is a boy or a girl. And so that's what he was bringing to the table with her. She was Love trying it. to present as feminine when really that's not entirely who she is. And you see that come through. And that's yeah. Frank. Frank's not a woman. And so, of course, that's coming through in a really wonderful way. And with puppets, you know, if I'm performing a character that is a father or that is right. a Latino, that natural experience I have is going to come through in a way that isn't going to come through if you ask James Franco to play Castro. It's not going to happen the same <laughs> way because you what? can study as much as you want. Sure. But if you don't really have it in your core, it may not come through in the right way. And the people who you're trying to target with this stuff, yeah. the people who come from that background, they're going to sniff it out real fast. And the only people that are going to like it are the people who do not come from that well, background. Can I, I'm going to throw myself on the 
you know, chopping board or the bus. I mean, even like I know, even though I know that, like, for example, original Sesame Street, right, was predominantly this group of male, you -hmm. know, white performers with I'm I'm just going to go ahead and do benefit of the doubt of good intentions at heart. Right. Even though the actors on the screen were diverse and, you know, you had kids of all shapes and sizes and color as kids on the show. Mm-hmm. I remember those original Sesame Streets. I mean, Sesame Street was a... Deep, dark a, place. I love that. It was, it was a gritty a, show. It was and a gritty purpose, show. You know? But it's very, it was very easy, though, for me to point only that portion of that out, right? And be like, well, right. they tried. It was good. It was a diverse show. It did offer diversity. However, that's not the end of what that show was or the argument. And it's dismissive of the other elements like you said i mean that's why we have disclaimers on those shows now when you're watching the reruns of the muppets and my kids yeah. are always like which one is the what's the scene and we'll say you pick it up and they're like that one and we're like yep. bingo right i only share that because that's part of i feel the conversations that we have to keep having of being like oh wow yes there was some diversity, but that is dismissive of a larger picture of a void, right? So that right. as we move forward, it's, it, you know, I hate the like one and done. Well, you got the boat, women. You're fine, right? Like, <laughs> you're yeah. all right. All yeah. done. All better now. Right. So right. I appreciate the depth of which you went into that. I, I agree. Having full experiences and a voice at the table make for a better story. And, you know, Sesame is is trying to figure out yeah. what that means. And, it's, right? of course, it's different in children's media. I think that yeah. when you're working, since kids, you know, their minds are still developing, they're not going to quickly pick up on the subtleties of culture right. like we might. Right. And so having a puppet character that comes, you can see, like, that character is clearly darker skinned than that other character. Right. And they are saying, yes, we do this really cool rice where the bottom of the rice gets burned and we turn the yeah. pot over and we show it. The yeah. kid will immediately go, oh, yeah, like Auntie Carol's rice that she brings over. It's yeah. a very <laughs> obvious thing that they see. It's not meant for us adults. It's meant right. for these kids. It's very big, broad strokes. But when you get into stuff that is for adults, that's right. when you start playing with subtlety. And my favorite right now, and it really was like a gut punch, was the show Andor. That show is right. blowing my mind. Yeah, because, we're only I'm only about four episodes in, but oh go ahead. Oh, my gosh. When I first started watching it, I was like, this is really slow. Yeah. And I'm going to just play with I Benny agree. and what, see what happens, right? Yeah. But then when they showed the scene where all the kids from his home planet are talking – I noticed that the language they were speaking sounded like a combination of Spanish and Nahuatl, which is a oh. indigenous language. And I, yeah. I was like immediately just like, wait, what's happening? And yeah. I got up and I sat down and I got totally sucked in and I realized they're telling the story of colonialism yeah. and how cultures get displaced by it. And they took a Mexican performer and made him be the one doing it. And so – Everybody from like my community is like freaking out. We're like, oh, yeah. oh my gosh, this is nuts. <laughs> but then what's hilarious is that when you look at a lot of the reviews, no one's picking up on that. They're just oh, like, no, no. oh, there's no fan service. And it's like, no, there actually is. And it's cultural. And yeah, yeah. they aren't throwing it in your face. They are doing it in a way where it matches the universe and makes sense. Of course, the empire displaced a bunch of people by trying to mine for minerals. Of course. But if you look at Central America, it's kind of exactly what happened. Maybe there was a CIA training facility in one of the countries and that's why there was a civil war. You know, it's like that is a real thing. The cute voice helps, just so you know. (laughs) You got to do a yakety schmackety when you talk about colonialism. Always. Make it palatable. I- <laughs> well, that has also made my day. We've had multiple things here that have made this one of the greatest discussions I've ever had. Everybody, go check out David Bizarro's website, davidbizarro.com. Go check out uh, Waffles and Mochi for a variety of reasons, one of which 
to see uh, David bring a completely impossibly inanimate object to life, which is just a miracle to watch. And thank you so much, David, for joining me today. Thank you for having me. This was a lot of fun. And uh, it feels good knowing that all of my tears of fatherhood are mm-hmm. not strange or undeserved. Oh. No, not, <laughs> no. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Bombas. Bombas' mission is simple. Make the most comfortable clothes ever and match every item sold with an equal item donated. So when you buy Bombas, you are also giving to someone in need. Look, there's a pair of Bombas socks for everything you do. And if you have kids in your house, (laughs) socks become a thing that you really need and you really want them to be good socks. I got the kids socks from Bombas, not only because they last forever, but they had the little grippies, which when they were learning how to walk or just when they are running through the house, knowing that those little grippers are so good. I love theirs. I got a pair of Bombas on right now. So go to bombas.com slash badmother and get 20% off your first purchase. That's B-O-M-B-A-S dot com slash badmother for 20% off. Bombas.com slash bad mother. One Bad Mother is supported in part by Dipsy. Are you feeling a little anxious and overwhelmed? I know my audience is. <laughs> I know who I'm talking to. Look, these feelings can make it hard to shift gears and get in the mood. The what? The mood. Dipsy is an app of a hundreds of short, sexy audio stories designed by women for women. And I got to tell you, it is a gift. The Dipsy app is a gift. And it is the fact that those stories are short with a sexy impact, which is so great. They always have new content. You can really pick and choose the styles and types of stories that you hear. Maybe you'll discover something that you didn't know you really liked. And if they are things you know you don't like, you can't avoid them. Dipsy also has sleep stories, wellness sessions, and now they also offer written stories. If looking at it is the thing that gets you going. <laughs> For listeners of the show, Dipsy is offering an extended 30-day free trial when you go to dipsystories.com slash badmother. That's 30 days of full access for free when you go to D-I-P-S-E-A stories.com slash bad mother dipsystories.com slash bad mother hey you know what it's time for this week's genius and fails this is the part of the show where we share our genius moment of the week as well as our failures and feel better about ourselves by hearing yours you can share some of your own by calling 206-350-9485 that's 206-350-9485 Genius, fail time. Genius me, me. Wow. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I saw what you did. Oh, my God. I'm paying attention. Wow. You, Mom, are a genius. Oh, my God. That's fucking genius. My genius is Stefan is about to go out of town again for a couple of days for a work trip. And I just ordered two puzzles from Amazon. One is a spooky Halloween puzzle, and the other is like a puzzle that has cats involved. And I just, because I know I'm going to need it. I know I'm going to need the puzzles while he's gone. And yeah, that was my genius, a little pre-planning for some self-care during this next week. Hi, One Bad Mother. I'm calling with, I think I can call it a genius. I've had a awful week working lots of 12-hour shifts and missing bedtimes, but then my kids are still up, and then they're screaming for me, and I can't get them to go to sleep, and then they're sick, and there's some fevers, and then today my husband's been home with a fever, and so I don't have any time for myself, and it's just 
just been awful. And I'm just overwhelmed, and it's all just been way too much, and I just don't even know what to do. And I still don't know what to do. However, my genius is that after we went I called my dad, who lives just like less than 10 minutes away, and I went over and I talked to him. And just being out of my house, out of my situation, away from anybody asking me for anything, and just getting support and a listening ear, it just made a world of difference. So now I'm headed back home, and I just I feel like I can do this again. So my genius is that I did not go out for milk. I went out for a hug, and I'm very fortunate that I have a support nearby, and I just have to remember to reach out and ask for it and accept it when it's there. And I did that tonight, so I'm pretty proud of myself. So despite everything... Still doing a good job, and I love the show. You're doing a great job, too. Thanks. Gosh, you are a genius. That is such a nice genius. You did something really nice for yourself, and as a result, I guarantee you that had such a positive effect, not only on your family, but your dad, and I 100% hear you. Sometimes you're just so tired and so done, it's hard to even get the five minutes away where you could receive some care and some support. So the fact that you pushed through and gave that to yourself and got help and support is really amazing. You did a really good job. You are a genius. Failures. Fail, 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 fail. You suck. Okay. My failure this week is piles. Look, I'm, I'm happy to have just lowered the bar a lot over the last few years in general clutter home maintenance. Okay? And it's all right. I actually am like, how was I keeping the house so fucking clean when I had little children? I don't know. But now we'll clean and then... Stuff gets, like, staged to move on to its next area, wherever it's supposed to live forever. Like, for example, groceries. Ever since the pandemic, we started doing a lot of, like, double and triple purchases of things so that we only went to the store, like, once or twice a month. Anyway, so we have a system. You get a laundry basket. You put all the stuff that you're not going to be eating right away, and you put it out in the garage in a bin, and easy peasy. It's five steps from one door to the garage. And that has sat there for four days now. So just blocking the door, making it hard. So it's like a reminder, every time I have to leave the house, I get met with this reminder of, are you ever going to take this outside? I mean, by the time I do, it'll be time to eat all the things that are in that basket. I'm at my workspace right now. And I cleaned it all up so nice. And then I started crafting and fiddling. And now, I mean, it's just everywhere. It's ever because you think to yourself, I'm going to step away and then I'm going to come back. But you never come back. There is no comeback, apparently. And you guys know, to me, sometimes the clutter and piles just become a noise in their own right. So, hooray. I can't seem to figure out how to turn the volume down. Hi, One Bad Mother. This is the mom calling with a fail that had a genius a few weeks ago. So I am the one that called in after washing my kids' hair in the driveway before martial arts. And that worked great. That was really great. I actually told somebody else about it tonight because tonight we had a fail. I had a fail because we had to go to martial arts and we didn't have time to wash the hair in the driveway or anywhere else. And exactly what I thought was going to happen happened. The joke. It was on the martial arts mat. And the coach had to wipe up the dirt in the middle. Oh, God. Very subtle. Very just good. Make a big deal out of this. It's all, all in the day's work. He's amazing. So I failed. And now I have to figure out what to do when we can't wash the hair in the driveway before we go to martial arts. So, yeah, if you have any ideas, you are doing a great job. Bye. Uh, maybe just have your kids shake like a wet dog before going in. 
No, I'm glad you called back and shared this humble moment with all of us. There, <laughs> there really is nothing like more awkward or weird than like bringing your child someplace and then them doing something that you know is like it has almost nothing to do with them. They're not like doing anything on purpose. They're just doing stuff. But because of like whoever they are or whatever kind of day they've had, you know, there's suddenly a pile of dirt below them. Or I remember I used to like, Ellis and I would do like different like painting stuff. And I'd take him out and people would come up and be like, is he okay? Because they thought he was bruised or cut. And it, it was just paint, right? And you just like, because you forget, because you're like, I'm just trying the best I can. And then you walk out. So you were a genius for hosing your kid off in the driveway. So congratulations. You have lowered your bar and then tripped over it. That's amazing. You're doing a terrible job. I am sure people were talking forever about the dirt. <laughs> you are the greatest mom I've ever known. I love you. I love you. When I have a problem, Live reading from Rachel's Poetry Corner. Elephants Theremin's Clifton, Neopets Poorstrips Jepson, Pine Smell Jellybeans Goalie Goals, Skittles Squirrels and the Mole, Celery Chopsticks Pumpernickel, A Case of You by Joni Mitchell, Lullabies Tie-Dye The More You Know, all of these things on our wonderful show. All of these things and more wait for you on Wonderful every Wednesday on MaximumFun.org or wherever you download podcasts. Did your neighbor back into your car? Bring that case to Judge Judy. Think the mailman might be the real father? Give that one to Judge Mathis. But does your mom want you to flush her ashes down the toilet at Disney World when she passes away? Now that's my jurisdiction. Welcome to the court of Judge John Hodgman, where the people are real, the disputes are real, and the stakes are often unusual. If I got arrested for dumping your ashes in the Jungle Cruise, it would be an honor. I don't want to be part of somebody getting a super yacht. I don't know at what point you want to go into this, but we've had a worm bin before. Available free right now at MaximumFun.org. Judge John Hodgman, the court of last resort when your wife won't stop pretending to be a cat and knocking the clean laundry over. Everybody, it is time to listen to a mom have a breakdown. Hi there. I guess this is a rant. It is oh god, ten forty three. We started bedtime at seven o'clock and my baby is I guess going through the eight month sleep regression, but when we look that up it says it's like the seventh or the eighth or the ninth month and it's just like every month is a sleep regression. Is it teething? Who knows? And I had to go get two fillings today, so my head is just absolutely shaking, and it's like, oh, after she goes to bed, I'm just going to go directly to sleep. But no. Mm-mm. We're hours into bedtime, and she's literally rolling in circles on the bed using a, te- a tooth, uh, oh God, what is it? Soother. <laughs> That's a chew toy instead of a comfort tool, so... I guess this isn't too much of a rant. It's more of a just I'm exhausted. She's going to fall off the bed, so I better end this now. Thanks so much for the work you guys do, and hopefully I will survive. You guys are doing a great job, too. Bye. You are doing a really good job, and I'm so glad you called and shared this because, like, this is this is such a great example of like some of the unseen situations that we experience with little kids in our house, right? It's a hard one to tr- even try to explain, but you say, I had this hard day. 
And I'm now, I know that tonight, all I got to do is get to bedtime. And this is a day where I really need that. I really need bedtime. My child's been going to sleep, you know, at the right time, the last couple of like days, weeks, months. So there's an expectation that it's going to happen tonight. And you need it. I mean, you always need it, but you need it. And then you go and you put them down. And then it's just that night. It's that night where they are not going to bed. And you're need to get into bed by like eight o'clock and crash is suddenly slipping away. Suddenly it's nine. Suddenly it's 10. Suddenly it's 11. And then you begin like to start thinking the crazy thoughts of like, maybe I just won't go to sleep. Can I even survive if I just get two hours of sleep? Like you just start going like, how am I going to make this work so that I get some rest? That is a derailing that is hard to avoid, despite it being very unhelpful. But that moment of realizing your plan is no longer the plan and you're not going to get this thing that you need, that is a hard moment. In fact, it is bringing some stuff up for me right now as I think about that, those moments where... You don't have somebody to tag. All your tools are gone and it's just your kid's just not going to sleep and you're not going to get the thing that you need. You just start crying. I just started, I would just start crying, right? Because you're like, this is impossible. I also think that that experience can add to that feeling of isolation as a parent, right? That like five years ago, if I wanted to go to bed at eight o'clock, I could have gone to bed at eight (laughs) o'clock. It's just like, what forest am I in? So I just want you to know, I really, I really see you. You're doing an amazing job. And that sucked. That literally sucked what you just called in about. That it sucks. And I see you. You are doing a really good job. Everybody You are all doing a good job. It was so interesting to hear David, when I asked him how he thought puppetry would help him as a parent, talk about pivoting, talk about flexibility. And I was just like, whoa, that did take me a long time to accept and become even remotely okay yet. And it's like our caller at the end, our rant, you know, that was a pivot. She, They were planning to go to sleep. And then they had to pivot it. And that pivoting is hard. The flexibility can be really hard. You know, even if you don't have kids, it is hard to be a flexible person who can pivot. Okay? It just can be sometimes. So give yourself some space and some forgiveness for the times that you're not flexible and that pivoting just feels too much. Remember, as you're out walking around and you run into people with kids out in the world, what kind of things that they are pivoting through at that very moment, right? Let's just go out and be nice and see each other, right? And support each other. That's simple. Is that simple anymore? I think it's still simple. You're all doing an amazing job, and I see you. And I will talk to you next week. Bye. I got to low down mama blues. I got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. Got to low down mama blues. You know that right. We'd like to thank Max Fun, our producer, Gabe Mara, our husbands, Stephen Lawrence and Jesse Thorne, our perfect children who provide us with inspiration to say all these horrible things, and of course, you, our listeners. To find out more about the songs you heard on today's podcast and more about the show, please go to MaximumFun.org slash OneBadMother. For information about live shows, our book, and press, please check out OneBadMotherPodcast.com. One Bad Mother is a member of the Maximum Fun family of podcasts. 
To support the show, go to MaximumFun.org slash join. Well, daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama's room. Oh, said daddy, baby, bustin' by, not throw down mama's room. MaximumFun.org. Comedy and culture. Artist owned, audience supported.